Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adiomi. I'm going through the book of Matthew in this teaching, and I pray that the Lord will give us some insight as we read and study. Uh, we read the chapter, I'm now in chapter 20. We will read and then pause and give some commentary, and, and we can go from scriptures to, uh, compare scriptures with scriptures to get some more understanding. Matthew chapter 20 from verse 1. Now, these are the parables of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are going to read the parables, and where the Lord gave the meaning, we give the. We just read the meaning. Where the Lord did not give the meaning, we give our own uh, ex explanation of the meaning of that parable. Verse one, chapter twenty of the book of Matthew. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, I have commented on this parable in chapter, chapter 19, where Apostle Peter was almost like bargaining and saying, we have forsaken all, what shall we have there? That was chapter 19, verse 27. After the Lord said that it is very, going to be very hard, it's hardly shall a rich man enter the kingdom. And they said, Oh, then can be saved. And Peter said, We have forsaken her and followed thee. And I give this story of this, this negotiation between the householder. And this is the real parable the Lord Jesus Christ gave in chapter 20. He said, This householder went about early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into, the, into his vineyard. Verse 3 of Matthew chapter 20. Verse 3 says, And he went out about the third hour, that's about 9 a.m., and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And he went their way, which means there was no bargaining that how much you're going to pay us. He just told them, He has already bargained with those who are going to work all day. For one penny a day, okay, that is the going rate for us. One penny a day, and they are they have gone there. And three hours later, he went out and said, Because the household knew that well, you are going to need more laborers to do get this job done. So he went out and saw about nine a.m. in the morning and saw the other way. You also better go to the fine yard and walk. And they went and walked, so they were not knowing how much he was going to pay them since it's like one penny a day, and now they are already three hours late. Verse four. Verse 5, again, he went out about the sixth hour, that's 12 noon now, and then the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m., and did likewise. likewise. So he was actually hiring more, more hands on deck, so to speak, they call it. Verse 6, and about the eleventh hour, which is almost 5 p.m., you have to remember, anyone that is going to be hiring people, that he must have gone to the field and said, gee, there's a lot of work to do. These people are... Tired, these people are coming in, they're trying their best, but look, you need more hands. Eh? So that's why he went at the 11th hour, which is just one hour before his closing time, because it's PM, the 
getting that. Everybody's going to have to go home. They went the job done for that day. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found all the standing idle. Said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They said unto him, Because no man has hired us. So he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So there was no bargaining, just one hour, they go to work for one hour, but see, they are coming with energy. So most likely they have to double up and get most of the rest of the job done. So the master, the owner of the vineyard is going to reward them accordingly. Verse 8. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. Wow. Those guys, they only work for one hour, then they give them the same one day wage. So you can see those people will like the man, they will really be excited, they will be saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Because they'll be almost like unemployed for a whole day. And now they work for the last one hour and got the same amount for a whole day's wage. So they will be grateful to even come tomorrow. Also. So the the library, the, the 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 owner, the householder that owned the vineyard, has a reason for doing that. Because of that, you are playing it forward. Even in how they call it in life, you are playing it forward. At least when you do extra something for the money like that, you can call him up tomorrow. If you're ready, you'll be glad to come. Well, you know, you paid me well last yesterday. So you'll be glad to come. He'll be looking for you to, to call him up again. But maybe we'll be knocking on the door. You have your work to do. And then it's not going to be bargaining for each a hard, hard price. So that perhaps is the more is the motive of any householder that we give the same amount like that, he has a purpose. But he's also being nice, being generous to these people. That's what he may say. Right? They they deserve to be paid for your whole day also. That's perhaps his, his generosity. Well they didn't work for me for until the last hour, but he just paid them because he could afford it. So be nice with what he has. But when the first came, there's the one that have been there all day. And they have seen all the other guys here. What happened? You give you oh, one penny? Oh, what? Maybe they are good. They thought they are going to hand more because they have been there since 6 a.m. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they more more against the good man of the house. I mean, they were upset that well. You are now making these people that just came one hour to be equal to us. That's what they say here. But to have seen this last, this last, have wrought but one hour, and that has made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, "Friend, I do thee no wrong. Did not thou agree with me for a penny?" Take that dice and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is thy eye evil because I am good? So, the, in short, the, uh, the household that has only vineyard is teaching us something. He was just being nice and generous to these people that have worked just one hour or three hours or six hours and gave them the same amount that he gave those that have worked all day. But those that are work all the thoughts, where well, this man is so general, maybe he's going to add more to what we bargain for. You know, I bargain with you for one penny. So just take that and leave. That's how much you want to pay. 
Sometimes it may be the bargain that he, he didn't uh, really appreciate it, but he did that. that but the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ was giving us more like a sample of what goes on in life. It happens in life. People that are rich can do, they easily do that. They will give extra money to those who didn't even deserve it because they are actually playing it forward. Next time they call the guy, hey, come. They say, oh, uh, yes, sir, we come to work for you. Why? Because they know they got extra the last time they came for to the man. Verse 16 says, So the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. So the Lord was giving this as a, as a sample that look, those that are first shall be last, the last shall be first. God is not angry at the people that came first. It's just a matter of this is how much we bargain for and you started the work here. Yeah, but these people, I want to give him just the same amount because I, I'm good, I'm generous. They will love him more also. By it's, it's, it's a pain for their, for their love they are going to have for him. Verse 17. And Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Now this, now this, uh, Crucifixion, the Lord kept telling them every opportunity he had since the time, since from the transfiguration. Since the time I, Peter said that the Messiah, he had been telling them that this is going to happen when I get to Jerusalem. This is going to happen when we get to Jerusalem. And they would have said, What? They were not expecting that to happen to the Messiah, but they didn't know what the scripture says. No, so he was telling them ahead of time so that they are aware of it. But you see, because he was telling them that he will rise on the third day. That kind of brush off all the fear and the and the sorrow that could have followed being killed. He's going to rise up the third day. But see, that more or less softened the blow on them. But he said, the third day shall rise again. So it looked like, well, it's not really telling us anything strange. But they didn't understand the third day shall rise again. So that's why they were, when it really finally happened, they couldn't fathom it. Verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Sebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing on, of him. Now, this, the mother of Sebedee's children, Sebedee's children are James and John. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ always take Peter, James and John. They call them the inner circle. Peter, James and John. When they was going to raise up uh, or call the, the, the daughter of, last, of, of Jairus, he called Peter, James and John to come along and the rest to stay back so that there will be two witnesses. There will be a witness. There will be the witnesses, three witnesses. The same thing when he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, he took with him Peter, James, and John as witnesses. So that they will be there when the band begin to tell the story. They said three of us were there. So and at the Mount of two or three, every world will be established. So that was already established. But now this time, these two sons of Sebedee were thinking, wow, gee, we are three. Maybe they are thinking, maybe they were thinking that maybe we need to be only the two of us. You are my right. Me on the left. What about Peter? Ah, uh, she be, she be below us. No, sir. <laughs> and the Peter that the palace was thinking that was like the, the, the third legged that they all, they wanted to, to knock him off. That's what it looks to me. If three of you are always the inner circle and then the two of those out of the three are brothers and then you came and say, me and my brother will just be one on your right, one on the left. Where do you put Peter? Well, Peter will be outside, outside the, outside the inner circle. Aside on the left, or hands on the right, or on the bottom. So something like that is what perhaps the devil is trying to couch out here. So they came and brought their mom. The Bible says it was their mom that came. 
the mother of Sebri's children. So I don't think she just come without asking her to come. No, sir. Verse 21. And the Lord said unto her, What wilt thou? And she said unto him, Grant that this my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. Because now they are believing God, that the kingdom of God is about to show when they get to Jerusalem. So they are thinking of the kingdom, the physical kingdom. The physical kingdom, which is when Christ shall come back, the physical kingdom is what they are thinking of. That he said we are going to Jerusalem now, we are going to Jerusalem. That seems to be the beginning of that kingdom. That seems to be the beginning of that kingdom. So that's why they quickly come to ask for their position to be established. One on the right, one on the left. And the mom asked for it. This is what the archaeological answer, verse 22. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what ye ask. <laughs> you don't know what you're asking for. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? Now, what is the cup? The Lord will say, I shall drink of. The crucifixion is a cup. God calls it a cup that my father gave to me. He said, I shall drink of. That means he's still fish up on that particular day. Because he was going to Jerusalem for that cup that he was going to drink. And they were asking, that, I want to be on your right, I want to be on your left. In that kingdom. They were thinking of a real physical kingdom, of course. That was always in their mind. And he said, you don't really know what you're asking for. Can you drink of the cup that I shall drink of? I mean, that persecution, that crucifixion, is what he's referring to when he says, a cup that I shall drink of. And, and then he went for us, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Now, that second part is talking of what he's already going through now. That's what I, what, what I believe he was referring to. That is, I am baptized with, not I will be baptized with. Because the, one, the first one said, I shall drink of. That is like, from the day he was talking, he was talking of if a cup is coming that he's going to drink of. Are you able to drink of that cup that I shall drink of? But now he said, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. So that baptism is not the Holy Ghost coming down upon him because he, of course, everybody's going to get the Holy Ghost. He's talking about some other trouble, some punishment or punishment. What do you call baptism? That is it's like a suffering. That is, I say, yes, I am baptized with it. That is, he's going through some suffering that we don't know what it is, but he's mentioned that I am baptized with this baptism now. Like, are, you, are you able to do to baptize with that baptism? These young, two young men didn't understand what those baptism is, or the cup that is going to, they don't know what it is yet, but they say, yeah, we are ready, we are able. And they said to him, we are able. And they said, they wanted this thing at all costs. Now 23, and he said unto them, the Lord said unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Now the Lord is just telling them from now, well, you are all committed to this thing. You shall drink the, of the cup. Not because he asked for it. Every believer will drink of that similar cup. It just will not be crucifixion on the so cross. But persecution is what he meant. Because many of these apostles were killed and, and slaughtered. James the, the, James, the brother of John, was the first one to be killed by error. That is a cup. But a cup of, a cup of suffering, like Christ was mentioned. Because he was himself crucified on the cross and he died on the cross and then rose again. Probably. So he was telling them, <laughs> they every one of you will we drink of that cup. Even though he just challenged them, are you able to drink of it? And I said, yeah, we're able. Yeah, we're able. Yeah, okay, all of you will drink of it. It's not just you two. Everyone will drink of it. And he said, and the baptism he's talking about, which is whatever is the trouble, he said, everyone will baptize with it. 
every believer. Not the same time, not the same format. It will be seeming different type of baptism. Whatever it is, it will be torment, struggle, warfare, and something that is painful. That is really why it is called baptism. It is something that is uncommon. But everybody is going through, and people call it the cross that we are called to bear. Your cross may be just relationship trouble, financial trouble, or persecution, or finally being killed for the sake of Christ, or for the righteousness that you are standing for. That is going to be a baptism. Let's say you have a business, and you want to stand for Christ, and look like you are struggling to just make the business survive because you are not participating in the corruption, in the embezzlement, in the kickback of fun or bribery because you want to be righteous, then you are going to suffer some pain. The business is not growing and things like that. So those are all baptism for righteousness sake. That's, that's an example. I just give that as an example. That may not be the same thing that we have. Some people pray concerning a disease or sickness and they pray and pray look like God is everyone is not hearing. Apostle Paul said that a thorn in, in his flesh. People believe that's a form of torment. The form of torment, he said even his, his eyes, whatever it is, he was praying about it and the Lord didn't take it away. That would be a form of baptism. Because anything he is asking God, please take this in away and God didn't take it away. That means he's, he's permitted, he's, he's, uh, he's expected to, to go through it. That's a form of baptism, even though it's painful to him. Baptism. So that is what Christ said, a baptism that I'm baptized, he's going through it even though he's still going to the cross. The final one, but see, it's for his glory. That is greater than anybody else going. So that is why the Lord was saying, are you able to do this? And he said, yeah, we are able. You will. He said, everybody will go through it, not just be. But now he went further. He said, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. Which means this is predestined anyway. Anyone that's going to sit on the right hand or the left hand in, kingdom, in the kingdom of God is already predestined. And those people will be the ones that will be there. God has already predestinated them. And they are the ones that are going to take it. You can't ask for it. And just say, well, give it to me because I, I'm ready to do whatever you ask for. Then it's already given. That's what he said. It is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. Verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Now, let me go back to that. It shall be given to them. When you look at that in Matthew, in the book, in the, new, in the King James Version, it shall be given to them was put in, in, in uh, italics. Anything that is put in italics means that they actually add those few words to it to make it make sense. It, if you take the italics, it should be, be like, it, but it is for whom it is prepared of my father. If you take it, it shall be given to them. It will look like it is, but for whom it is prepared of my father. At least God is already prepared it for some somebody. So you cannot ask for it. That's what he said. But for whom it is prepared of my father. But they, they introduced, but it shall be given to them. Was add, added to this statement. Because when you go to Mark or John, actually uh, Mark or Luke, he said, it is already given, already prepared for some people, somebody else. Verse 24 said, when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. I mean, everybody will get offended. Oh, you want this big for yourself. You want to be over us. No, everybody will do, try to do that. That's just human nature. But Christ tried to correct them in verse 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, 
you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Now just think about that. This step that the James and John were taking is called faith. I mean, they must have believed. I mean, they believe that this thing is real. This kingdom is real. Why the others think this is not their Messiah? I mean, the other, the other Jews that don't believe. The, the, the Jews that are in the, in, in the environment, they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. But these young men that believe that he is the Messiah, and now we are going to Jerusalem, they are believing that this kingdom is about to show, even though they are misinterpreting the kingdom when it will show up. But at least they were exercising faith. They were believing for something. They were expecting something. They are ready to take it. And they want it. That is faith in itself. It's the same thing like faith in the fact that you believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Or you believe that Christ has abolished it. And you are prepared that, no, I'm not going to die. You say faith, exercising faith. So these two men, young men are exercising their faith. That we believe this thing is real. We believe this kingdom is real. We believe this kingdom is coming. We believe this Jesus is the king of that kingdom. So let's go ask for our position. The more this position and that position. So that is faith in itself. And the mom that believe along with them also coming to us, that is faith in itself. They are believing this Messiah. Even though they are misplacing their, their request or they are misplacing when this thing will really take place, but at least they are exercising faith. That's what I want to point out about what they are saying. But the others will take it as an offense that we are, you are trying to be above us. Also. That was what happened when they were offended by the two brethren. The Christ is saying, in the world, the rulers, they dominate the people that are their ruler over. He said, but among you, which means he is also bringing a kingdom. No, and these people are believing in that kingdom. Christ is saying, in my own kingdom, among you that are following me, that are going to be rulers in my kingdom. Because he already said, you are going to be 12 tribes, you are going to be ruling 12 tribes of Israel, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He said, but it shouldn't be so among you. You are going to have to be submissive. If you are going to be the great one, you have to be the one that is serving. So he's saying it is the reverse. The ruler is not on top, the ruler is at the bottom. That's really what he's saying. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Whosoever will be, whosoever will be chief, you'll be the servant. Hmm, that's interesting, also. Even as the Son of Man came not to be minister unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I use analogy to describe this. And then when you go to a restaurant, and you go to a restaurant, everybody sat down. Everybody sit down on the table and they are going to be served. How do you know who is in charge? You come to this restaurant, you see everybody sit down and you want to find out who is in charge of the restaurant. Who, is, who, is, who are you going to ask? The people that are sitting on the table? No. You ask the waitress that is with, uh, with April that is taking their order. That's the one in charge. That's the woman in charge. That's the, that's the restaurant uh, representative. If you want to know who is in charge here, ask those who are serving. They know, at least they know who hired them. Also. So Christ is saying, if you want to be great, you should be the servers. Servants, serving the people on the table. So the waitresses in the restaurant, they are the one in charge. The people that are sitting down being served, they are not the one in charge. See? So if you come into a restaurant, you want to find out who is, who is in charge here. Because that's what you say, who is, who, is the, who is the ruler here? As the waitress. Because they are the ones that go to the kitchen, get the food, bring it to this table, and they are the ones in charge. Okay, so that's what the Lord is saying in his own kingdom. 
The one that is going to be chief among you should be the one that is serving. Servant. He said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to give his life a ransom for many. And we in the, world, in, the, in the world need to learn lesson from that because the kings, the rulers, the governors, the presidents, all those that are elected, they are dominating the people that they elected them. But you see, they were called to serve. When you understand that, you see that if you don't want to serve, you don't go, you don't, go don't try to be in the politics, but you see, the reverse is what's going on in the kingdom of darkness. When they put them in the position as the ruler or governor or president, now they begin to dominate and suppress the people under them. It also has to be that. In the kingdom of Christ, the ones that are ruling are the ones that are serving. Now let's go to verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the most, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. Now, let's pause that before we conclude that chapter. They said, Lord, that our eyes may be open. Which means they believe. They have had stories. They have had testimonies about this Messiah, this rabbi is going about healing people, healing them. He healed a lame man, he healed a blind man. So they had those stories. So what comes to your mind if you are the one that have this need? What? He healed a blind man? And you also need to be healed? You're, you're, you have a blindness? So they will pray, oh God, if this man will come by, I want, I want to reach, I want to see too. So then there comes the day they heard that this man is passing by. So they have the be believing is believing what you have heard. What is faith? Faith is believing what you have heard that it is true. And that you can get the same thing from the same person, from the same God. That's faith. You believe the testimony. This is testimony that somebody said he prayed, God answered. Really? And you also need something to ask for. You pray too. And you believe God is going to answer you because you believe the testimonies. So what these people have heard is testimonies of others. And they believed it that it is happening. So they were hoping to get this man. And when they saw the opportunity, they asked. That means they believe the testimony. So don't throw away testimonies of others. Cherish it. And when you find your opportunity, ask for the same thing for you to be given to you. This is what you see these people, at least two blind men, they said. They said, Lord, that our eyes may be open. Suppose they were beggars at the, at the road. The two blind men, mostly they are there saying, have made support me for people that can give them some coins, some pennies, some money. Suppose they have come to Jesus and say, what do you want to do? Oh, we have not eaten since yesterday. Okay, everybody give him some money. Would that be sufficient to heal their blindness? No. But they believe the testimony that this man is healing the sick. So that's what he wanted to, not money. They can go find money somewhere when they, are, when they could see. So when they say, what will ye that I shall do unto you? And they ask because they believe what they have heard that this man can heal them. That our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion on them. Now remember, compassion is what the Lord Jesus Christ said he used to heal the sick. He had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Don't forget that compassion because that is very important. The Lord said this is compassion. We must have compassion for the afflicted so that our prayers can be, our feet can walk. 
Faith worked by love, and what love is compassion. So the Bible says, you know, just have compassion on them. He saw everybody passing by, and he didn't know what was going on, and they cried. And the Lord has compassion on them and touched their eyes and they were healed. Now I'm going to go to chapter 21 and I believe that the Lord will give you more insight as I continue in the next chapter. God bless you.